Dropping once. Now throwing long down the left side. Slaughter has it. He's going in for a touchdown. The Browns have won the game. Throwing deep down the left side. Slaughter is open. He got the ball. and development of a roster is not going to happen in this league overnight. And I think you've seen more than one team try that um, unsuccessfully. We're committed, as I told you from day one, we're not going to stray just because we have some challenges early on or face some adversity early on. Uh, We are committed. We're seeing the young guys get on the field and play. Um, And so in our progression, uh, we're going to stick to our plan and stay developing our young guys. How would you say office staff together. Well, well, no, I really um, uh, good communication uh, on, on various transactions and roster moves. We had uh, some particularly difficult injuries at some key places with some key players for us uh, and working well with, with the staff. I think we're continuing in kind of this, our, our second year together. Uh, it feels like longer, but, um, you know, it's, it's been a great offseason to find new ways to work together and support each other, learn from each other. Last one just kind of continues and you guys have a year, you have two wins, three wins. Will you still be able to point at this and say what you guys are doing is working? You know, I, I think for us we would be disappointed if we ended there. Um, you know, we would always going to be focused on the underlying progress and how some of our, our players are coming together, what those losses look like. We're disappointed so far. We're not going to get into trying to project into hypotheticals, uh, but we're, we've got 12 opportunities. We're going to win all 12. Uh, we're going to prepare to win all 12. Um, if that happens, that happens. If it doesn't, we'll, we'll deal with that at the time. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> Wow, 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 wow. Good Gugamuga, my DBM brothers and sisters. I'm a Browns fan who's looking for some conversation on route to the I-480 bridge. My name is Thelonious7, and you, you're listening to Straight No Chaser on the DBN Network. And uh, even if you're hearing this show on Wednesday, this is the Monday morning edition of Straight No Chaser. I mean, Easy really did it last night with his commentary. And it was about as infuriating of a game as I have ever witnessed. Uh, this squad is 0-12, leading by two scores going into the fourth quarter. And uh, he, he was just pretty much playing to avoid losing. And, and believe me, I, I totally get where the energy comes from, you know, not to lose. You know, I, and really, I don't even want to talk about it. Except for to say that right now, I can't believe that Haslam is committed to this guy sitting at 0-12, especially when the 13th loss was as bad as this one. I think it should be an open question. I mean, how could you force Hugh Jackson down Dorsey's throat? And really, yet again, Haslam's making questionable decisions as the czar of this franchise. And really, man, why is he the czar anyways? I said it before, man. This guy can own the team, but giving... His final approval to trades? I mean, of course, like as a as a you know as a, as a, as a piece of you know as a piece of administration. Yeah, I get it. But it seems like this guy was a guy who was giving the green lights to trades like this. 
And in the end, he was he said he, he said it himself in the press conference. He said he was too late uh, to make the move uh, for AJ McCarron. And for me, as I'm listening to him say that, I'm like, no, no, Haslam, Jimmy, my friend, that's not your job. Your job is to rake in the money on the racket that is owning an NFL franchise. There's really nothing for you to learn. There's nothing for him to learn. It's really very easy. I mean, he has done it for years with Pilot Flying J. This is by far a much easier gig. He doesn't have to go and commit fraud in order to make a ton of money. He can do it the old-fashioned way, the way that you owners have been doing it for years. But I don't know, man. It's, it's getting me worked up. I mean, even last night, after the game, man, I just feel so bad for people who are close to me in my life. Like, I'm just not... I'm not a good person after watching these games. It takes me quite a bit of time to adjust. Like I say, this is why every week I say, I can't believe Easy does it. I can't believe he can do it, man, because I I certainly can't. I can't stay objective as I watch these games and come, come here and sit in front of the microphone and say something that's worth hearing. I need a night. I need a night to sleep. And last night was no exception. No exception at all. But I guess I'm going to pivot really quick here. I I got a question uh, kind of for the people that are still out there listening. Podcast land, radio land, wherever you call it. My question for you is this. What does the DBN network mean to you? Of course, the DBN uh, network shares its initials with its affiliate site. And it's not by accident that we share the initials of the site that we're affiliated with. But technically... As Easy Weave has pointed out, DBN Network is something that's open to interpretation, and it begs the question, but what does the DBN Network mean to you? I guess I'll take my crack at defining it from my perspective, and I'm going to start off by giving my definition in the apophatic sense, and, and in a sense, telling you what the DBN Network does not stand for me. For me, the DBN Network does not stand for done by now. Like I was saying earlier, I appreciate Easy's passion. I also appreciate the passion of Manly by Nature, who has done a wonderful job of, of analyzing this team in this dreadful period of time. I appreciate their passion, and I share their passion for this football team. You know, I'm a, I'm a Clevelander through and through. Man, I share Easy, Mano, all the people who work for this network. I share their passion for this team. I've loved this team ever since I was a little kid who snuck a handheld radio into church. And I kind of had to duck down one of the pews in order to hear the horror in Nev Chandler's voice as he called the fumble. I mean, it's kind of weird, man. People kind of thought I was having a spiritual experience that day as I was crying on that Sunday. And maybe I was for me. Football has been as powerful as any religious experience. And in some ways, it's, it's kind of a sacrilegious thing to say, but as much as I love this team... And as powerful as my connection has been to this team, I think that I can now see there's a point that I'm going to come to or that I could come to where I could start turning off the football games. Now, I said definitely. I am definitely not done by now. And I don't know. Maybe I'll never really be totally done like in a complete sense. But, you know, I had a friend uh, a couple years ago. He was as big of a sports fan as I ever knew. He was like a Chicago guy. He was a huge Cubs fan, and we texted a little bit after the World Series. But one thing that he told me is that he was a huge Bears fan, but that he he just could not, absolutely could not stand Jay Cutler. 
and that he couldn't cheer for him as long as he was the quarterback. And this guy had a really well-developed hatred for Jay Cutler. You listen to him talk about it. I always felt like I would never come to a point where I would stop watching this team. I mean, I've watched them through an historical, a historic level of futility. And, you know, as he was talking about Jay Cutler, I was almost kind of wishing that we had that level of production, you know. And so for me, I kind of felt like I never could stop caring about my, my team the way that he talked about stopping caring about his team. But, you know, this Wednesday, I was on my way home from work and I opened the DBN Dog by Nature uh, webpage. And as I opened it, I said out loud, oh, my God. And I know, I know exactly where I was at that time and how shocked I was. That Sashi is, in fact, done as the VP of football operations for the Cleveland Browns. And really, I spent the rest of the week and I guess the beginning of this week thinking about what that actually means. You know, as I talk about this move, I kind of want to run it twice. Of course, there's this first initial impact as, as the move comes that the Browns are moving away from the work of Sashi Brown. And then, of course, the move of hiring John Dorsey to be a more traditional GM. Now, initially, the move comes off kind of as a result of a power struggle. And there's a lot of truth in this take. When the losing started in earnest this year, the press began to go in on the organization. And it got bad enough early on that Sashi had to address the media early in the year. Uh, in the montage at the beginning of this episode, I basically took the clip that I have of Sashi talking about the team then. And, and I, I put it there, I guess just to highlight one of the things he said at the end, and I even said it at the time. It seemed like at the beginning of the year, Sashi seemed a little bit aloof uh, in terms of his coach's struggles. And uh, and initially I was even saying at the beginning that he seemed to indicate that like Hugh Jackson's job was on the line and he expected more from Hugh and more from the team. You know, I've always been a vocal advocate of keeping Sashi. I've been actually vocal about keeping both Sashi and Hugh. We've been at 0 16. I mean, Sashi made his mistakes, no question. Prior, free safety, quarterback, like it's been alleged. But to me, the mistake he made in this pressure, presser was a good example of how tone deaf he actually was to the struggles of his coach. I've been having a conversation uh, with Crawford T, who posted a thread in the fan shots uh, on his feelings about this transition. And his opinion is that Sashi did just fine with the picks that he had as uh, the quasi-GM. This should take about three years to build up a competitive roster. And while Cross, uh, Crawford T said that he's good with the picks, me, I'm kind of okay with the, with the selection he's done in the draft, but literally... This group, when they first came uh, into power in this organization, stated that they weren't expert talent evaluators and that they wanted multiple bites at the apple. And to me, this is a clear weakness. It's, it's, it's wasting capital. It's kind of like drafting four wide receivers in the same draft, using the capital to get worse in the kicking game. I mean, people don't talk about it, but the kicking game, special teams, this has really hurt us. I mean, why doesn't Brown have the personnel to effectively operate on special teams. Even the worst Browns teams have had a way to focus on this part of their game. You know, my point is that I think that Sashi Brown did his job. He was a benevolent capologist. 
he had he um, acquired an insane amount of draft picks for this team. And according to Tankathon, the amount of value that he has in this draft is almost double the value of our next closest rival. He also has a ton of cap space coming into the 2018 season so that the team can be a leading player in free agency. But in picking players in the draft, I I personally don't have a problem giving this value to somebody like Dorsey. Especially if you keep, if you intend to keep the same uh, rebuild in place with the same coaches for next year. I mean, it makes sense to me in a way. He should be, he should take better bites of the apple than Sashi's group did. Also, as a key point to remember, the benevolent portion of Sashi's tagline, you know, benevolent capologist, the benevolent part uh, really means that Sashi's removal signals the end of consensus in uh, Berea, Ohio. This is probably correct. Those guys were trying to please too many people, and it's it's really just easier to run an operation like you know, a football franchise with just one guy. I used to be in a band a little a little while ago when I was younger, and you know, working in a band it was okay, but I just really found it was a lot easier to do what I wanted uh, when I acted alone and acted on my own instinct. The problem with consensus is just slower and it's just less efficient. But I guess it's time to go back to the person who set up the situation that we're dealing with right now. You know, I'm not really one to throw salt on ownership, but I don't want. Haslam to own this team anymore. You know, I've never really been a fan of that scallywag. I've been on here talking about continuity all year. Really about keeping Hugh and running... Really, keeping Hugh and running Sashi actually does allow for the most continuity possible in what's become a toxic environment in Berea. And I kind of get why he took that route, for continuity's sake. But really, really, watching Jimmy Haslam at the presser was about the most depressing thing that I've seen in years. Yeah, I know he needed to put his mug in front of the camera uh, with a, a move like this, but really, why does Jimmy Haslam like, think he's actually qualified to be the czar of an NFL franchise? I mean, just having the money and the opportunity to purchase a team doesn't qualify you to make the kind of decisions that he's making. I mean, he has set up, set up unsustainable regime after unsustainable regime four GMs in five years just look at that you know as a Browns fan in my heart I am not done by now in my heart I am a true dog by nature it isn't hard to see this thing coming to a crescendo there was more grief about 0-16 last year than this year and it's shocking to me that this game continued into another year I don't want to be starting over year in and year out. But this guy's got to put together a group that actually makes sense at some point. And then get out of their way. How about picking the GM and then letting him assemble his group for himself? Is that too much to ask? This guy hasn't done that once. Not once. In some way, you know, I would naturally start to have a discussion about the draft. I mean, we're 0-13. God. You know, from a talent standpoint, easy, guys, I'm fine with Bayfo, but it's not talent. There are other guys out there with better size, better arm, you know, better arm talent who seem like better options for me. Rosen, Darnold, to me as I look at Mayfield, he's not really a top five or top ten pick for me. 
And if the Browns go out and take ba- Baker Mayfield at one, I you know I think they're out of their minds. For me, I feel like Rosen Darnold seem like legitimate options for top five picks. I also think that Allen's going to go very early as well, Jets fans. Uh, for me, I put a premium on size. I think the ability to withstand hits and to last the entire year. Oh my goodness, that's right. Also, Carson Wentz seems to have gone down with a knee injury. Like in the end, I think it's important to have a guy who can take a lot of hits, a lot of abuse, playing in a very violent AFC North division. But as much as I want to get into going you know, into this draft, especially with so much capital we have going into it, and as excited as I am about the future, technically, I just can't get optimistic about this team thinking of Hugh Jack coming back for another year to coach this team. I mean, for me, please, just let Dorsey hire somebody, anyone else, anybody else, even if it sets you back another year. And spoiler alert, it probably won't. It's battle all over again with Pat Shermer, it's Patton looking like he's going to cry in front of the camera. Really, right now, Hugh Jackson is a, a liar if he doesn't go into the lake area and begin to swim. By now, his word means absolutely nothing to me. The fact that he can finesse the owner and get into 2018 says more about the owner than it does about Hugh Jackson's ability. Uh, you know what? <laughs> with that, we should put this one in the book. Guys, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to make the DBN Network a part of your day. Please leave a comment in the comment section as it helps to facilitate discussion with you guys, the best fans in all of professional sports. Well, that was your dose of the straight truth. You've been listening to Straight No Chaser. I am your host, Alonia 7 on the DBN Network. Take care. Gasson is kneeling in the 17, 37-yard attempt to kick his up. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fultron! I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.